Hey, is everyone still here? Yeah. Uh, we're in the call. Welcome to Seeing Things Differently. Loimis across the pond. With Kay and Cleves. And Angie and Kimberly. Hey guys, welcome to the second episode of Seeing Things Differently, Blindness Across the Pond. If you notice a difference, we are actually recording on our platform. This is what blind looks like. And so the guys from Seesaw Podcast are joining us today, hence why we are going to be on our best behavior. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode, today's episode will be on finding jobs and working as blind people and what is out there to help us blind people or people with disabilities find jobs and be able to work. We're going to talk about the programs that each country has to offer and things of that nature. So let's get into it. Sounds good. What I'm interested to hear is sort of if there's any schemes over in the US to help just people in general get into work or specific schemes like tailored to the vision impaired uh, blind community, uh, especially if you guys have had experience of them. Absolutely. So I know that we work with VR counselors. So they're um, a lot of people know them as VR. So they stand for like voc rehab counselors. So vocational of rehabilitation. These agencies, like they're um, in every state and they help people with disabilities look for jobs and they help them with school and help them get assistive technology and stuff like that. Though in some states like Minnesota, they have blind services, which kind of separate blind people and other people with disabilities so like the counselors that work with blind people solely work with blind people and helping them find jobs or helping them with school helping them get assistive technology for work or school and things like that yes one thing that is difficult with folk rehab in our state I don't know if this is true in other states but they also work with anyone who wants a job And so anyone can walk in on the street and be like, hey, I want to uh, need help finding a job so they can help. We're priority. And then there's others who work with them. Yep. So there's a long list of people who work with them, which is hard because DVR counselors are stretched to the max. And I think that there should be a separate program for just anyone who wants a job because at this time, pretty much everyone needs one. So yeah, that's yeah, difficult. I definitely agree. I wish that we had something like Minnesota or like places that have what they call commission for the blind. I wish that we had something like that, that kind of separated us. So that way we can get what we need, you know, instead of having to wait to have our needs met you know what I mean and there's no we might be the only blind person that they work with so exactly really unfamiliar with fulfilling our needs and they're mostly asking us how to do things or us how we're to get things it's like Mm -hmm. that's your 
job. You know? Yeah, like I understand that they might work with people with other disabilities too, but a lot of them don't understand blindness and they don't know how to cater to what we need. So for example, it could be adjustment to blindness training. Somebody might want to go to a training center to get blindness skills. And that counselor might just be like, well, I don't know how it pertains to work. And they'll refuse to send them because of that. Is that scheme like run by the government? Do they have to like, do they sign that sort of stuff off? Yeah, it's a state thing. And it's mostly, oh, if it's not within Wisconsin, we can't support that. Yeah, so if it's out of state, yeah. Also with me trying to get equipment, like braille displays and like magnifiers and stuff, they'll be like, oh, they'll have to sit and look during the meeting. Oh, well, what about this place? What about that place? And it's like, uh... Why why are you asking me this? Like, you know, they, they don't know where to search. Oh, do you know I've had counselors where they're like, oh, is there a place that you know of that that I can get this? It's like, yep, do your exactly. job. Like <laughs> exactly, you know? exactly. I've had people ask me that. My counselor, for example, it made me so angry because she's like, your reading speed isn't good enough for a braille display. You should have faked it. I got so angry. <laughs> Slowed down braille a little bit. Braille displays are better than than paper. Reading braille on paper. Yeah, you know, like how do you reading braille on better? paper like books? Everything's like crunched up, and with the braille display, you can read line by line, and it's yeah more pronounced and stuff. Yep, exactly. Like, how do you expect me to get better if I can't practice? And besides. Where in their handbook does it say that a blind person needs to have an X number of like reading speed to qualify for a display? Mm-hmm. It's stupid. That's what it is. It, it sounds like <laughs> money, to be honest. It, it sounds yeah. like oh, oh, yeah. Yes. so little yeah. money. Yeah, they go with the cheapest route. They have to. Yeah. If they can, they'll try to go with the cheapest route. Yeah, but that, that's so bad because... Like, it is. It, if you're not working then the state supports you. But if you are working, you pay the state. So making that investment early, <laughs> it's in their best interest to get vision impaired and we'll get everyone into work because then yeah. you're paying your taxes instead of mm. like the state giving you money to live. Like you're giving them yeah, money, yeah. which is yeah. backwards. Just make the investment. Come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they don't know where, like Angie said, it's like, that's not a rule. And then we have to write a letter of justification and try to prove why we why we need it. And even then they can deny it. Yeah. And I wrote a good justification letter too. <laughs> That's mad. frustrating. It's really sad. Like yeah. another can, thing. Like a braille with... display company just sponsor me so I can get my display. <laughs> right. <laughs> Another thing that's wrong with DVR, I'll just finish off with this. They don't support piecework. And that means like anything that you, um, like for instance, there are places in Wisconsin, pretty much Milwaukee, I should say, that have businesses that hire blind people that make like assemble things, Mm -hmm. but they don't support that because 
for the state, they don't feel that that's a career. And right. so I've had to justify with Braille transcription that because they're like, oh, on this website, it says it's piecework, that you'll only get piecework. Well, that's one of the many types of work you can get, because for me, piecework would be if I were to go to a restaurant and say, hey, if you pay me, I can braille your menu and then you can get the word will spread and you can get more people coming to your restaurant. Well, that's that's touch and go. You you can't that's not a full time job. So we can't support that. You know, things like that. Yeah. Crazy. How does it work in the US then? Do you have to go to like these people every so often to check in? Like, you know, in the UK, you basically have to sign up to this thing called the Job Center. Yeah. So Job Center Plus now. And you basically have to visit there like every two weeks every just week to make now. sure. It's oh, every week now. Every week now. You just, just oh. to make sure you, you get your benefits. You have to see like an officer and you have to speak to them about the jobs that you've looked for and that sort of thing. Do you have I'm, to do anything that, like that in the US? Yeah. You can actually like have a job coach that can help you get a job when you're to that point and yeah you have to see them very frequently and you have to do your homework and try to apply to jobs outside of seeing them but with dvr counselors that you see before you get in the job finding phase that's not that often and but you have to check in with them monthly and if you don't check in with them for a certain amount of time i think it's like six months maybe more they automatically drop your case that's brutal it is it is it is so just brutal and to think about it the place where we go and see our um vote rehab counselor it's called the job center too yeah that's like the whole scheme in england is you get universal job credit it's basically unemployment benefit obviously when you're not employed and then each week you have to go to these job centers and you basically have to talk. Yeah, I think you have to apply for X amount of jobs. You have to write them all five. down. Is it five a week? Five a week. Five unique jobs. Oh, my jobs God. Wow. You have to write down where you've applied to, how you apply. Contact info. Yeah. Like you need to provide a phone number or an email address because you, otherwise people make it up. So you have to tell them. Oh. And they will do random checks and they'll phone up, say, I don't know, Joe's Pizzeria and say, did, did Cleves apply for a job with you? And if they turn around and say, no, we have no application for someone named Cleves. Benefits are gone. Don't like you get blacklisted for like three months? Wow. And they're like, nope. That is crazy. That is so much work. Yeah, that is worse in here because, like, yeah, we work with a job developer and stuff like that. And they'll be like, okay, like they'll help you look for jobs and stuff. And they'll be like, do you want us to send your resume? Like, do you want me to send your resume or do you want to do it? Or let me know if you applied. And you know, we can check back with them for you and stuff like that. But like that, like that doesn't necessarily mean that like my, like, are you talking like benefits, like, uh, like your monetary benefits or like benefits yeah. such as like they stop working? Like monetary. So <gasps> in, oh. in, yeah, in the UK, there's, there's a thing, it used to be called jobs, uh, job seekers allowance. Now it's called universal credits. And that's something that you get if you're, it's it's a system that based on what your circumstances are, you get X amount of money each week, and it's not that much. But oh. if but they it also means that the council, the local council, will pay your rent, and they will pay your council tax, which is you have to pay. Dude, it. that's nifty. 
So that is sweet. <laughs> we'll like, yeah. I know. Wow. Like, I know in Minnesota, for example, your um, state services for the blind counselor, like if you're a student and you're living on campus, like they'll help you with rent. Like if yeah. you are living in an apartment or, you know, I know that because I have a friend who, you know, lives in Minnesota. And so she told me something like that. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, well, the, yeah. they won't help you with all of it, but like part of it, you know? Yeah, it it, it depends. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, sort of a lot of things that go into it um I, yeah. I won't go into it too much detail here but there, there are a lot of restrictions on what you can and can't do but if you if you've got like a, a one-bedroom apartment and you're not working the local council will pay your rent and your council tax and then you'll get it's usually around a hundred pounds a week which would be 150 dollars but as i said if you if you don't do your five applications a week, if you don't show up to your meeting, and if you lie on your form, they will take all of this away from you. And then before you oh. know it, you're begging to not be evicted. You don't have money to eat. It's it's all or nothing. Oh. It's 100% all or wow. nothing. Wow. Damn. So they're like, so like the UK, like they're not playing. Like they're just like, okay, <laughs> you need to do this, this, and this, and this to keep your like benefits. Otherwise, bye. <laughs> Yep. Okay, I take that back. They play no games. I don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) The UK, they play no games. Oh God. To to be fair, like they are supposed to be the the advisor you go to see each week, they're supposed to be there to help you find work. But they don't really. It's (laughs) you show them the list and then they'll look and they'll look at your uh, like your resume, your CV as we Mm -hmm. call it. And they'll look at that and they'll go, have you thought about doing this? That's all they'll say. Have you thought about doing oh, this? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And then they'll send you away. They'll sign on their, little, on their computer that you've shown up and then you come back next week. But there, there's oh, no wow. active help. I mean, you can get... Cleves hasn't really got much experience of, of the job centre. I haven't not, been in quite a while, to be fair. Not, not as much as I have over my life. But uh, once upon a time, I, I went to the job centre and they had a disability specialist, they called it. And I went to my appointment and I sat down. I had my, my suit on and I, I had my, my CV, my you resume. the job centre a suit? I thought it was an important meeting. You must have looked like the poshest person there. <laughs> Hell <laughs> yeah! Everyone Hell else yeah. looks like they've wandered in off, uh, off the streets. A lot of them have. Like, <laughs> no, no, like that's honestly... He did it right. Like, <laughs> go in there with, like, your best dress, like, you know, suit on or outfit or whatever. Because then yeah. that way, that then that way they'll know, like, oh, like, he means business. Yeah, he everyone, wants a job. Everyone else that like, was there in the job She really wants to get that thinking, job. We're going to rob him. <laughs> you know what's hilarious? With your accent, I thought you said, I go in there with my shoes on. <laughs> and I was thinking... I was like, so is it common that people don't come in with shoes? Uh, no, I, I <laughs> it's only the Japanese job centers you have to take your shoes off. I was like, that makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> like I knew that he meant suits because just wait. Oh, I, I don't know. know. I knew I was listening. I knew I heard him wrong. So it's like that makes no sense. I gotta I <laughs> Yeah. And then when you said yeah. suit a second time, yeah. I was like okay i gotcha <laughs> uh, yeah like i was just gonna say like 
damn straight. I am going to like wear my best outfit. Give me yeah. the dress. Give me the flats or get me like a nice slacks and shirt and blazer. <laughs> I will show you that I really want this job. Like I'm not going to play. I know that's, that's what I did. And Cleve, Cleve was laughing there because usually when you go to the job center, it's a lot of people in hoodies and oh, sort of like no, sportswear do, drinking energy no. drinks. That, that's, no. that's, that's the people that you see there. They're not going to take you seriously. Most They're of the people in the job center already have a job and it's drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. So the fashionista in me and me being sophisticated, what color was your suit? Gray? Like, Gray. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, yeah, I was going to guess gray or black. Did you have like a matching hat to wear with it? No. Like a little, like a little fedora, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I also had my, my pocket hanky as well. So I could sort of dab my head if it got a bit too intense for me. Just, oh, oh gosh. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no hats. I do have a lot of hats, but I didn't wear one that day. Okay, um, I don't know why I pictured you with like a little fedora or um, <laughs> not, not, not a, not a top hat. Okay, not, not <laughs> a top hat. That's a little too much. Do <laughs> 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 you like the typical like British gentleman? Like, <laughs> hello, I'm here for a job. A cane know? as well. <laughs> yeah, well, and, like cane. a little briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> well, but anyway, I, I was wearing my my, my top suit. And I got there to this disability specialist. I sat down and she just gave me a, a confused look because I was dressed, oh, no. I was dressed smart. And I, was, I was like, uh, we just started chatting. And um, mm. I just said, okay, so you're the disability specialist. So how are we going to do this? Like, do you have connections or or how, how are you going to do this? And then she just looked at me and just said, what, you actually want a job? I was like, what? well, yeah, you're the disability specialist at the job centre. <laughs> I've come to you because specialists help for finding work. He was just like, no, I just help disabled people get as much money out of the government as possible. So like, I don't help oh people find God. work. So if you want to oh. find work, I can't help you. And I, I oh just walked away. I walked away. I was like, okay, thanks. I, I'm walking away then. Like, you're wasting my time. I put on this suit and everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. Put your shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man come on man yeah it, it wasn't an enjoyable experience and I, I had to go to a job center a fair amount when I was younger but not in a long time not in a long time luckily I know it's changed a lot now I know there's other things that happen there like uh training schemes and things like that but I don't really know much detail about that when you moved here no what did you do for me well, I moved, well because I had savings and I found work within two weeks. Bloody hell. <laughs> that is the fastest <laughs> I've ever found work. Yeah, lucky when I came to Nottingham and I lived with Cleves. But within two weeks, I was like, okay, apply for jobs. I think I must have applied for around 50 jobs in 10 days. I just wanted work. I was just like, every job I was going for. And then went to an interview. And they're like, sure, okay. <laughs> it's like, great. Um, I'll start immediately. And I, I was lucky. That's awesome. See, like, that's the route that I was trying to go to. Like, I don't want to work, you know, like, I don't want to just work with a job developer because I didn't want to at first, right? Because yeah. I was just like, I'm going to apply and see if, like, anybody takes me, then I can just 
tell my VR counselor, hey, look, I got a job. I need equipment, but I got a job. Yeah. But nope. I need to. It'll happen. Or we get sponsors. I mean, <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> so I just wonder what, what both of your experiences were, sort of like with the, the US job market over your lives and uh, how easy has it been? How difficult has it been? And, and that side of things. So I'm going to say it's been difficult and I've gotten like little work experiences. You know what I mean? That are like three month internships. And then afterwards, either A, you get hired, which has never happened to me, or your work experience is over and on to the next step. Yeah, that's the thing. Work experiences, DVR (laughs) likes to try to pull that. And then if the work experience you're working with doesn't hire you, then it was like, well, thanks for the three months hoping that I could work here. And although DVR does pay for you working there, but if it doesn't turn out to be that you get hired on, then it's over. Yeah. And it sucks because I'm like, geez, I was already getting excited and so it's basically like free work for that company, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean you still get paid for it. Yeah, you get you, you get paid for it, but that's not always the case. Like if you you can like downright like be adamant about I do not want to do a work experience. I only want a job that's going to be a job. They that's exactly what I that. said this time. I'm like, look, I do not want a work experience. I want a job. I yeah. need a job. I am in my early 30s. I don't want to wait till I'm like, you know, my mid 40s to still be on the same boat. I can kind of see if the the VRs pay for the work experience. Why? Like if you were that company that took on work experience people, you can get rid of them after three months and get someone else on and just have their salary paid for you. It it would be like free work. Basically, it's like they get volunteers and it helps them with free help and then it's over and they don't have to hire you. Yeah, fine yep. for the company, but for the people actually doing the work experience, it sucks. It's not. Yeah. yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. God, I, I, I'm, I'm so proud of myself. I wanted to say something else, but <laughs> I stopped myself. Good job. Well, yeah. for me, I grew up. My mom did a licensed daycare out of our home, so I was around kids growing up. And then as I got older, I got babysitting jobs, like at nights and on weekends and stuff. So I was. Very thankful for that. Back then, I could see well with glasses. So I didn't have a problem with the parents being hesitant to have me watch their kids, although I could not drive. So they had to drive me to their home and back. But they, whoever I babysat for, they didn't mind. So that was nice. So I've actually babysat up to five kids at a time before. And then I, once I did become blind, I was able to babysit my nephew and my nieces and that worked out fine. It wasn't, well, with my nephew, it was regular. It was Monday through Friday. And then with my nieces, it was every now and then I'd watch the kid for a couple of days because daycare wasn't, couldn't watch them during then. So she would just have me watch them. But also In high school, I had a a hero co-op thing and I worked in a kindergarten classroom in the afternoon. And I actually worked in the same kindergarten classroom that I went to kindergarten in. So that was kind of cool. But also 
during then in into college, I worked at a department store. It, it was kind of like it's all who you know, because one of the daycare moms worked at that same department store. And when I went to the interview after that, I guess the interviewer talked to the daycare mom and she's like, well, how much can she see? You know, do you think she she could work here? And she's like, yeah. And then they hired me. So it really helps to know someone who can put in a good word for you. So that helped. And I worked there for a good year and a half. But one thing that happened was that the screens for the registers was like the old school Apple computer black and green screens. And there was one of the registers where it was really faded. So I had a really hard time on that register seeing in the screen, but on the other registers, it was like bright. And so I could see sort of far away. I couldn't quite see the buttons, but I memorized them. So no one knew. But then they got new screens and I couldn't really read them. It was becoming harder and harder for me to read them. So I I lied and was like, hey, I was wondering, could I start working on the floor? Because I want more experience than just the registers. And they bought it. <laughs> then I worked on the floor and was able to, you know, put things away that people exchanged and uh, make the the shelves look neat and things. And I did a really good job. And then they changed the UPC labels and they were like practically microscopic. And I did not want to admit that I couldn't see those either. And that was around the time I was going to be moving out of state. So it kind of worked out to my benefit. But I was just like, geez, I was thinking, stop changing things. Every time I get used to something, you keep making it smaller and harder to read. Like, can you just stop? Wow. So it was kind of out to get me. So those were my growing up and stuff, my, my background with jobs. What about you guys? During school, I I worked uh, at like a supermarket in the evenings, a bit like Walmart, basically, but just on the checkouts again to get a relatively simple job I could see a little bit better back then so I had no issues sort of reading the screens or anything apart from if it was really bright outside because the all the screens all the checkouts used to be right by this huge window so if it was really bright and it was really glared on the screen you could hardly see anything it was Mm. annoying (laughs) but again like you said you you kind of memorize the buttons so it's not too bad after a while so I did that for about three years whilst I was at school and college and then when I went to university I just decided I didn't want a job anymore because student loans were going to be paying for me to live the next few years. So mm-hmm. I didn't do anything for a while. And then when I came out of uni, I could not find a job for quite a time. I actually went to the job center a lot. It sort of became a running joke with my friends that I would do six months in the job center, like getting the benefits and then six months <laughs> in a job and then vice versa. But, uh, wow. Just just to repay myself, basically, my benefits, get, you know, go and pay them back at a job and then just claim them again. But yeah, I worked, um, I worked like cold calling people to sell websites. That was my first job after uni. I think I stuck that out about a month and I just straight up quit that job, to be honest. Then I worked at um, a call center. It was, it was basically an answering machine service, but you had to be the answering machine for some reason. People will actually pay people to do this. Like, Yep, yep. Funny story. I actually interviewed for a job like that, like a telephone operator yeah. um, call center type job. And 
yeah, they have not called me back. And in my head, I'm thinking, thank God, because I don't want to be working holidays and I don't want to be working every other weekend. Like, what if I want to, I don't know, go hang out with friends or um, do something have fun with Draco that weekend, have a life, exactly. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> I want to spend my Christmases with family and Thanksgiving and New Year's and, you know, yeah play a game of fetch with draco something you know i hated those sorts of jobs but like the, the people there were always funny because they you had your phones plugged in and essentially when a call came came through uh like a script flashed up on the screen and you'd say hello thanks for calling insert company name there because we did it for about 40 or 50 different companies and then all you'd basically yeah. do is follow the script on screen and then there was two shifts like, as well. You used to have like a day shift and a night shift. And the people in the night shift were just gross. Like you come back in in the morning and they'd be like toenails in your drawers. It was ew, like, oh, that is horrible. Horrible. Or like just Yuck. someone had eaten a yogurt and then left like their yogurt and spoon there next to your desk. Ew. And no one had been around oh, to <laughs> clean it. That was one thing I did actually. That once. is disgusting. I was going to say <laughs> The person that I used to sit next to, I, I actually picked up one of those dirty yogurt spoons once and whilst he was on a call, just, just touched it to his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that is funny. Yeah. I could so see you doing that. I could so see you doing that. Um, he, he, he jumped and punched me in. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> I was on that job. I was on like a probation and a period and I didn't pass it. You have to do like, they do like little checks on you and on your calls. And you have to follow certain criteria. And it was like, you when you took the message, you had to read their name back, even if it was something stupid, like something ridiculously easy, like, I don't know, Ben Jones. You'd have to go, oh, is that B-E-N-J-O-N-E-S? And if, yep. you, did, if, if you didn't yep. do that, then you'd be marked down. So when I had like my my calls marked, essentially, I, I like failed six out of six. And then I didn't turn up a lot oh. either. Oh, that was on me, admittedly. I didn't turn up a grand deal. Anyway, and then, yeah, I didn't pass that probation. You say that, and then I just spent like another six months again on on <laughs> job seekers allowance. Now what did I do after that? I worked at Boots. Uh, Boots are actually owned by Walgreens, so it's a similar sort of thing. They're like a pharmaceutical company, but in Britain they are massive. Uh, and Nottingham, like their head office is in Nottingham, so I used to work in their call center, the Nottingham head office, and that was for like dot com orders and glasses and. It's like customer service job, basically dealing with queries for their loyalty card and things like that. But again, I had a, a fair amount of time off during my probationary period, so they called me up one day. Uh, says, "Oh, can you come down to the office?" Which was about forty minutes walk away. So I came in. I had one meeting and just said, "Mr. Cleaves, uh, I don't think it's really working out. We are not keeping you on." I was like, "Why don't you just phone me for that?" There was no need to make me walk down. Oh, yeah. Poor guy. And then, no, uh, really? the poor thing. You go from head boy to this? <laughs> <laughs> no, all my oh. best days were really on in the life, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> After that, I classically did another six months on the dole again. The on the dole is basically just a slang term for getting your employment dump. benefits. Oh, um, okay. And then I actually got a job sort of where I work now. It's for a cake decorating company. Um, Ooh. Yeah, so I started off working that in customer services, and then I've done various other jobs within that company. 
and I've worked there for eight years. Now I run like the wholesale arm of the business. So. Like taking orders and stuff oh. like that? Um, yeah, it's sort of taking orders, shipping like large shipments from well, all over the world, really, like containers and pallets of stuff to and from like Europe and China and the US and things like that. So, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's all sort of cake based stuff. And I've got a small department of people. So, yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. My mom so loves to you... make cake. My, uh, I was telling my mom about the first series that we did, and she was like, Oh, so tell me about them. Like, what do they do? Do, um, do they both have jobs? And so, yeah, I said, Yeah, one works at a like cake pastry like bakery type place taking orders and stuff like that and um the other one works for like he does like it and he's a personal trainer so that kind of thing i've done a lot of weird things (laughs) so for me i i have a bit of a, a strange history so when i came out of university i got my first job on the phones i was selling insurance over the phones and i was fired within three months I was not good at it I I was too ethical about what we were doing it was selling life insurance and I was in my probation period they called me in the office and they said oh we're gonna play this call and we want to chat about it and it was a call that I had with uh, a lady in her 80s and she had no children no husband no one to leave any money to And the conversation was me asking her if she'd be interested in life insurance. And she said, oh, no, I haven't got anyone to leave any money to. It doesn't matter. And then I just had a nice conversation with her for 20 minutes because she had no one else to talk to. So we just had a chat about her life and what she did on the weekend. And and at the end, they said, so it sounds like you could have sold her some insurance. It's like, well... Yeah, but she didn't need it. And why am I going to take her bingo money off of her? Like That's a job to fleece old women. <coughs> Apparently, Eyes on the prize tee. <laughs> Apparently, that's what my job was supposed to be, to rip off old ladies. I just said to them, I can't do that. It's like, I know I've got... Yeah. I've got sales to make, but come on. That's horrible. I don't blame you. You were just... Yeah, I know. You were just trying to be nice and just be like, hey, I'm going to talk to her, even though I'm supposed to like sell her insurance and take her money. Yeah. but huh. yeah but I, I didn't and they didn't keep me on after insurance and after i got fired i as please would say i went on the dole so i was unemployed for three years and that's three years looking for work wasn't successful um i did some voluntary work for a sort of a community center that does respite for families with children with autism and down syndrome oh that's nice i give you a lot of respect it's like you are trying to redeem yourself (laughs) (laughs) after all those old women you you, trying to bring back the good karma no but i want to do something good yeah Yeah, it it was good fun i I enjoyed working for the charity it was was really good fun um but that was voluntary I, i didn't get paid and they never had any money like to pay me or anything else and then one day when i was uh, i just played a game of cricket and i was chatting to another vision impaired person and they said oh well i got qualified as a personal trainer doing this scheme for the disabled and i thought okay i'm not doing anything but i'm just doing this voluntary work i might as well so i got qualified as a personal trainer and thought well might as well try doing something with this and there was a gym 
And they owed me a favor because of some bad things that happened. They basically said no to my guide dog and said I couldn't be a member because of my guide dog. And that is so stupid. It got That's really like messy. discrimination, though. That's yeah. discrimination. Like a guide dog is a reasonable accommodation. Exactly. And it got very messy and it ended up with me being in a meeting with the leisure center manager and their their regional manager for like who looked after a hundred leisure centers in one meeting. They're like, how can we make this right for you? And it, it was a real mess. But needless to say, I was a bit known at that point. But I recently qualified and I went there and said, look, can I volunteer in the gym? And because of all the things that had happened, they said, yep, yep, we're not going to say no to you. We can't ever say no <laughs> to anything you want anymore because <laughs> we'll have thin ice as it is. And I was there for two months and then someone was leaving. I just went to the manager and said, can I have her job? Like, instead of me being voluntary, just give me some paid hours and then you don't need to rehire for her. And so the manager's like, oh, I don't have to go through the recruitment process. I can just pay this other person who's already here. Um, and then I, I just started working. And then within three years, I was the manager, which I was managing the gym and like, the reception area as well. So two teams. I ended up doing that for just over a year. And then I moved to Nottingham. And like I said earlier, I got a job. I'm very lucky to get a job within two weeks. And that was partly because the job I went for was just, it was, a, I say, just an administration job. Any job is a good job. Like It's tough to find work anywhere. Uh, but I went for an administration job coming from a, a senior manager position. And they asked me in the interview, so why do you want to go from being a manager to being an administrator? And I just said in the interview, because I'm disabled, I walked in with a guide dog. No matter what it says on my, my CV, my resume, you are going to still just see me for the guide dog. And I need to prove to you that I am as good as I say I am. And then they took a risk on me. Well, that was my manager's worst said, we'll take a risk, which I didn't appreciate. Um, she's no longer with the company. She got fired. She deserves to get fired. Yeah. She hired you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> that risk didn't pay off. I'm still there, though. <laughs> I'm still there. And I'm doing well. I've, I've done well. I've been there for two years now. And I've moved departments and stuff like that. And I, I feel like I'm I'm a key member of the team. But it, it was tough. I, I had to do a lot of voluntary work to get where I am. A lot of rubbish jobs. I know no one in this call can relate. But a rubbish job is doing a exercise class at half five in the morning, two days before Christmas, because that needs to be covered. So you leave house at like mm. half four in the morning, you get a coffee and you have to go in there with all the energy in the world, knowing that you're going to get nothing but abuse from people because they're all tired wow. and hungover. And like Cleaver's done rubbish jobs. Like, we've all done rubbish jobs, like voluntary or, or yeah. otherwise. and. It's just being lucky to be in work. I think that's the thing. Yeah, I did code calling for a month and not for a month, for four months. I did code calling for four months and it never resulted into anything. And it was a job that I didn't want. But I can't believe I forgot this job. I actually had a friend I was talking to from my blindness training that I was keeping in touch with. And I was telling him all about how I was down because I didn't have a job and stuff. And so he we we had a mutual friend through training also that we both knew it was his 
roommate during training. And then we were all in training together. And he passed along my disappointment. And that friend actually was trying to start up a tactile map business. So he called me and he's like, hey, you know, and he asked me a couple of questions that I didn't even realize where the conversation was going. Like, what would you say your skill set is? Not not exactly like that. Stuff like, what are some things you've learned since training? And just really questions that I had no idea. Uh, it was just a conversation. And he's like, well, you know, He's like, I'm looking for an assistant and this was an interview and I want to hire you. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so I worked for him for six months. It it was supposed to be longer, but funds kind of ran out. But I was very thankful for that job because I was assistant slash secretary. You know, I made spreadsheets. I kept up on his logs. I taught myself an app that he was using called Tactio that was like an app, sort of like a bulletin board but virtually. And so you can put goals on there and, and check off the boxes and stuff. I taught myself that I looked up bus schedules. I mean, all that stuff. So, and he paid me well. And I, unfortunately it ended no fault of our own, but I was glad for that. And one of my work experiences also was at a group daycare that I was glad for because I met a friend that I'm still friends with for almost 10 years. And she was very accommodating. Like I was so shocked because she was the lead teacher and I was only a volunteer. And yet I came in three mornings a week. And yet she'd be like, next week, we're doing a camping theme. Is there an activity you can think of that you'd want to do with the kids involving camping? Or do you have any books you want to read with the kids? And I was like, we were always taught that blind people really are kind of not accepted well in the workplace with society. We're kind of looked down upon as to we can't do things. And here's this person who is going out of her way to try to involve me and not as an employee, but as a volunteer. And I can never be thankful enough for that experience. If we go from there, like what I mean, for both of you, what would you say are the biggest hurdles for the blind and visually impaired? Kimberly, you mentioned there that the society doesn't expect the visually impaired and blind to to be in work or if it's frowned upon in some cases. I mean, what would I both of you say like are the main issues for finding and sort of like getting sustained employment in the US? You have to some of the time volunteer first and get your foot in the door and prove yourself before you can get hired on. Um, One volunteer job I had was I knew it wasn't going to turn into a job, but I wanted to keep that I was still busy on my resume. So I walked to the local library and just cleaned their CDs and stuff is a very like easy laid back job, obviously, but I didn't mind it because I could 
set my own hours because it was volunteer and I could come in whenever and I just put in headphones and just like listen to a book or or watched net or listened to Netflix and stuff. So I just go there for a couple hours and did that. But definitely a hurdle is that society thinks you can't do things. And so they either won't even consider you if you put on your resume, if you allude to yourself as being blind or you have to volunteer first and show them that you can do things. It's sort of similar here, isn't it? We There's that sort of stigma around it. But what I found is for all my companies, if, if you go at a sort of basic level, once you're in there and you start to prove yourself, then it's usually easier to find jobs within that company because people already know that you can do jobs. And then they know by that point, it doesn't matter if you're blind or not, you're just a good worker. They will definitely hire someone who's, cited over you every time yep and it sucks one thing that bothers me is that there's really incompetent or lazy workers out there people who are hired who do their job really poorly and they will hire someone like that over me who will bust their butt and work really hard doing that job and it's just like how on earth what what's wrong with this picture right exactly I want to say that I really, really just want to talk about this because it really makes me angry and it makes me just sad. Like, I want to work. There's people out there who are able-bodied, who do not care, who want to sit on their butts and earn unemployment and just be happy with that. I don't. I want to go and work. Why don't you (laughs) give me the job? Like, why don't you give us the benefit of the doubt? Like, we just need a couple accommodations, right? Yeah. And we're good to go. Like, there's no need to discriminate. Like, just because we have a disability or we do things differently doesn't make us less capable. Or are you going to, like, honestly, see, I really feel for you because just over the fact that you got discriminated, that's disgusting. Like, yeah. like, it's the same thing that I say about my dog who is in training right now. And yes, if I haven't said this publicly, I actually have a puppy right now who is in training to be my guide dog. So I've had people ask me, like, isn't it going to be harder for you to find a job because you'll have a dog? And I'm like, no, my dog is is a reasonable accommodation. I would have to tell my employer, look, I have my guide dog with me. I need him to go to and from work. He needs to be in the office with me because I need to bring him to be able to get to and from work like he is a he is medical equipment he is a mobility tool it's like somebody using a wheelchair or an oxygen tank or a hearing aid yeah a white cane crutches anything like that if you need a service dog that's a reasonable accommodation like it would be different if someone didn't tell their employer that they had a service animal i just I really feel for you and it makes me angry that somebody would do that to you. Fortunately, I think a lot of the time, especially in the UK, although the law is there to protect disabled people against discrimination, if you're not given a job, I can leave an interview thinking, I haven't got that job because you have someone who can see who's going to get this over me instead, regardless of whether I'm better qualified than them or better suited. But providing they Providing they don't turn around and say, you're not getting the job because you're disabled, there is nothing I can do about it. Even if I think and sort of like have a strong suspicion that's the case, mm. unless they actually say it, 
I'm powerless. Mm-hmm. I can't prove that, even if yeah. I think that's the case. And that's that's the frustration that I've always had. Another thing that frustrates me a lot is when people are like, oh, but don't you get social security? And I'm like, yeah, but it's not enough. Government assistance is not enough. It is not livable. Can't live with just almost 800 US dollars a month. Nobody can. I mean, when it, when it comes to like being in work, like with reasonable adaptations, it's the government sort of subsidising that, like even through the states. So you mentioned that with the that they can like get, a rehabilitation, yeah. So you can get equipment through them, but you have to justify yeah. it. I mean, it's is the yep. state paying for that? Yes, the state pays. So anything that you ask your voc rehab counselor, the state pays for. So like when Kimberly and I decided to go to blindness adjustment training, also note that we went at different times obviously you have to justify why you need to go and how that relates to finding employment we both had to fight Mm. and it's hard i fought for 15 months and i fought for a year the thing that's really makes no sense is that it's tax dollars at work paying for this. I'm sure people who are paying taxes would be happy to pay for something that suits a purpose rather than it going for something that is really mundane and j- just stupid, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's really interesting that you get the equipment to uh, enable you to get into work. Whereas in the UK, it's the opposite way around. You have to get a job first, and then there's a scheme to get your your equipment when you are working. Yeah, Yeah. you need it to work. Like, seriously? Yeah, Yeah, well, now my counselor told me, because I asked her for equipment, she's like, yeah, but that won't happen until you get hired. So that does happen. Like, for instance, if we get a computer job, we get hired and then they'll pay for the jaws. They're not going to pay for it before we get the job in case our job doesn't have anything to do with computers. That makes sense. Yep. So in the UK, you have to be in work before you get anything. And this is a scheme called Access to Work. And uh, Cleves, uh, you like Access to Work, don't you? It's, it's terrible. It's a shocking <laughs> system i've only ever had to use it once and that was to get my cab fares paid for during like the the dark months basically when i used to live at my old flat getting to work in the morning on the early shift used to be quite difficult so i thought oh, i'd apply to access to work the idea is that they basically just pay for your, your cab journeys i said i don't even need it all year round i think i only needed it for like three months and it yeah. was only mm-hmm. one journey because i could walk home in like in the afternoon because it was still light by the time I'd finished work. Oh, that's not too much to ask. They make you get three different quotes from three cab firms. Obviously, they pick the cheapest one out of those three. And then you mm-hmm. have to go with this cab firm. And then you pay for it first. And then you submit your invoices afterwards. And then they give you the money back for whatever it is you've spent. The problem is, if you get a quote from a cab firm, that's just a quote. You're on the meter a lot of the time. So by the time you get there, it's a different price to what was quoted. Oh. So I wasn't getting the full money back. And also, I had to submit everything by paper, even though, you know, why not just accept emails? You know what I mean? Who, who's this helping? I had the same thing where I needed a ride to, to something involving DVR, and they would only pay for a certain amount per gallon and I had to pay for it first and then I needed paper documentation I needed the receipts and my driver forgot to get the receipt he just like 
paid for it on his card and he forgot all about it. So I didn't even get reimbursed. Wow. This is it though, isn't it? Like now if you if you book a cab or Uber or whatever and you do it on your phone, then you receipts on your phone. So basically you got to go through and print out, you know, five receipts a week and then fill yeah. in an extra form again, which has to be printed and then physically mailed to them for some reason. Oh, and they don't, uh-huh. they don't they don't accept couriers it has to be done by royal mail only it's ridiculous and then and then the amount of times i had to chase it i had two outstanding complaints with them and then i finally did manage to get part of my money back after about i think it was three months after my original cab journey and then i got the rest yeah. of it about four or five months afterwards there's a problem if you're taking a cab journey every single day and you're not getting the money back for three months you've got to be able to pay have the money in the bank to pay for at least three oh. months worth of cab journeys before you see any of that money back. And a lot of, I didn't have the, t- I didn't have the money to pay for that. So after about a, a month of doing it, I just, I just started walking in the dark because I just couldn't afford it. And that, that's the problem with access to work. It's very old fashioned. And I've, I've recently gone for access to work where I needed a new monitor for my job. And I, I went through all the process and even though I knew what I wanted, you can't tell them what you want. You tell them what your situation is. You explain why you need the equipment, what the job is, why you need a specific sort of thing. And then even after you justify it, you can't just turn around and say, well, I've researched this for you. This is what I need. They will take the information and they will guess what you need. And they will make a recommendation. And you have no say in that. I knew what I needed. I needed a very wide monitor, 43 inches, that sort of thing. And I knew exactly what one, and it wasn't expensive. And it was just like, this is what I need. And they're like, no, 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 no. Um, we will we'll recommend something. And they sent me a 32-inch monitor and said, well, that's what you get. Said, oh, Why did wow. I waste my time? This isn't what I needed. Like I, I could have bought yeah. this myself. Like I needed a specialist thing. I told you I needed it, and you just didn't want the recommendation. It's like, come on. But that that's only when you're in work in the UK. You have to be working, and then you have to go through all these, jump through all these hoops and all sorts of crazy stuff. To say you want to get to see what people are to work, it doesn't exactly help them, really, does it? It's just no. not making you're if anything, you should be making it easier for disabled people to get into work, not more difficult. Not just it's just an, it's an exercise in like just saying that they have it. The government can go, oh yeah, look at all this help that we offer to disabled people, but in actual fact, it's ridiculously difficult to get. And a lot of the paperwork is on your employer as well. So if you imagine going to, you've convinced somewhere to hire you and you've convinced them that your disability isn't an issue and you go in there and then within the first week you say, oh, there's this scheme that will get me all the equipment that I need. Then the employer's going to think, well, firstly, you can't do the job like you said you could. So that's going against you. And like, oh, now I have to do all this paperwork to prove you work here and it just gets crazy. Like, it's, it's not a good scheme. But if we w- want to go to something like to positive to sort of like f- finish off the episode. So if, if anyone yeah. could change anything and make things better, like w- what ideas do we have for making it easier in our respective areas? I would say voc rehab counsellors and agencies who work with blind people to get educated on blindness. And if they can have like some sort of like, I don't want to say it this way, but I'm going to like blind sens- blind sensitivity training. Yeah. That'd be great if they did a mini like adjustment to blindness training course. If they learned how to walk with a cane under sleep shades or just do yes. something under sleep shades or 
learn the braille alphabet or something make a sandwich under sleep shades i don't know something simple right if they by the way learn... sleep shades are blind blindfolds so to speak but they yeah. only go yeah they're blindfolds they go over your eyes and that is to um that is for you to learn how to use non-visual skills and not rely on your vision but rely on your other senses um but yeah if they learned that piece, you know, like a little bit, like if they went under that sort of training for like a little bit, then they would understand how to better help us out. In order to be a VR counselor of any type in Minnesota, they have, I think, two, maybe three different adjustment to blindness option centers to go to where they are basically a student and learn exactly yep. like the students do. Yeah, I actually saw that when I was in training in Minnesota Me at the too. training center that Kimberly and I both went to. I went to the same one. I actually saw a counselor like be there for like a week or two just to learn what it's like for a blind person to go through adjustments of blindness training and to better understand blind people and blindness. So that was really cool to see. And I wish that other states modeled that. I would also say that to answer your question, that money could go outside of the state, that you didn't have to fight so hard to get something outside of the state. And also maybe have them go to a few blindness organization meetings and meet professionals or have them be required to go to the state convention each year and be able to see for themselves what blind people are capable of. Have some employers do that. That's that's for the counselors, but have employers do that too. And have big organizations have more opportunities for not just disabled people, but blind people. Like, for instance, I know a while back, Walgreens, they had this thing where the state paid them to hire disabled people. Well, they should have places that they'll pay them to hire blind people and Mm -hmm. that they have types of jobs that they can come up with if there isn't a job available in their firm that a blind person can do and that they can put job announcements out there that the blind can find and apply for we could do with a lot of raising awareness in the uk as well to be fair i mean i mean the one thing i would change in the uk i suppose i I agree there'd be great to sort of like give i mean more weather definitely but paying companies to take on disabled people i think something like that has happened here and there but it depends on the company. I, I suppose the thing that I would like to see is through the job centre, through the systems we already have, I would like to see a work scheme where you would have employers sign up for this work scheme so they could train vision-impaired and blind people in the skills required by these companies and then say, if you complete this course, we guarantee a job at the end. Ooh. Because I think that's I very like that. reasonable. Like if, if a blind I like that parent, too. It would be great. Yeah. Like if you can get through the course and sort of prove that you can do the job, then the company can turn around and say, well, we know they can do the job because they've been learning how to do it for free. But then mm. they have to be able to take you on at the end, even if it is just for probation, three months to see how you go. And you can do it across the board for all disabilities and all abilities and, and various things and just tailor the work to the disability. There are a lot of jobs out there that 
you have to manage your expectation as a vision impaired or blind yeah. person. You know, we're, we're not going to be Uber drivers. You know, no. there, there's, there's things we can't do, but there's a lot that we can do. And it's about proving that to the, the market, like the job market. And if that means courses where they sign up and maybe the government gives them money for signing up, maybe what it is. But that's what I'd like to see, like a proper work scheme where there are actual jobs at the end, like specialist schemes where there's jobs at the end of it for those who are interested in it. By us, we have job fairs where people can go and they'll meet with employers and on the spot they can get hired. They should have those for disabled and blind people. Yeah, 100%. What I would say is if you're offered a job, take it and then work it from there. Because you can always find a different job whilst you're in a job and, and you're still getting paid at that point, aren't you? And if you start, even if you start at the bottom, then there's places you can go within a company normally. Just get your foot in the door. Awesome. Right? It's great to, great to hear your side of it, guys. I know there's so much more that we can say, but I think we said plenty. But as always, it's been great, guys. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thank you for joining us. This is so much fun as always. You guys know where to find us. We are on Facebook and Twitter. We also have a Patreon, so please donate. Kimberly, do you have an email for us? This is what blind looks like pod at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And also and forget- follow these guys. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Don't forget to check out Seesaw Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Listener discretion is advised sometimes. All right, bye guys. Thanks to see you. All the best. Bye everyone. Wait, don't stop the recording. I mean, I mean, I mean, stop the recording. Thank you for listening to Seeing Things Differently. Blindness across the pond with Kay and Cleves and Angie and Kimberly. You can find us on the following social media: seesawpodcast at gmail.com and seesawpod on Twitter. And you can find us at Facebook at This Is What Blind Looks Like, Twitter at Blind Looks Like, and you can also email us at This Is What Blind Looks Like Pod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. You guys, thanks. Oh, Are you muted? Oh, now okay. they are.